0: Good morning. morning. The first thing I could ask of you guys today, there's a couple things I need to ask for this particular sermon other than prayer. But the first thing I could ask is if you look underneath your chairs and around you for any rocks, rotten tomatoes or fresh tomatoes, Um, If we could throw those away now, it would be good, for the title of this message is The Fourth God of the Trinity, and I don't want to be, uh, you know, thrown at. (laughs) This morning, uh, I want to talk about this. I I, I do want to share with you that as as I sought the Lord about a month ago, because of Benjamin's and Susanna's wedding, I was asked to preach a while back and I put it off because there's a lot of other stressors going on at the time. And I, but I was praying. I was prayerful. I said, Lord, what, what do you want me to say to the congregation? What message would you want me to bring? And, uh, I kind of felt like the Lord said, well, I don't know about them, but I got something to say to you. Okay, Lord, well, we can deal with that later. What, what do you want me to bring to the congregation? Well, again, I got something to speak to you first. and, And I just couldn't get past this thought and, uh, so in studying it out for you folks, I, I really want you to know that I am speaking to myself. I, I know that in somewhat of a degree I'm a bit of a hypocrite up here, uh, and preaching on this particular topic, but the Lord knows that. And if there's one other person, maybe, uh, this would be worth it. I want to talk about the little acknowledged, but sometimes experientially the most powerful member, member of the Trinity. You all know the Trinity from years of sermons, from reading in the Bible, from understanding uh, from the doctrines that we teach and preach and written are down. Uh, probably the best account from the Bible itself about the Trinity would be Jesus' baptism, correct? Uh, where Jesus was present, the Holy Spirit was present in the form of a dove, God the Father spoke from above. But there was this fourth member that was there at that baptism, and that's the member I want to talk about today. In some ways, this fourth member is more powerful than the rest, and in some ways not even in the same category. Though this person of the Godhead cannot create mountains, it can make high places low, and it can make low places high in our lives. It may not be able to kill a fig tree with a single word, but it can kill all the same, and it can give life and speak life in its own fashion. I say this God is powerful and in some ways more so than the rest of the Trinity. And I, I tried to look up information on the Internet, and I was surprised to find how much information is out there about this fourth member. I mean, it is encouraged and, and told how to foster and how to, how to grow it in your life. And I, I was quite shocked. I thought I was the only one that had this unique idea. Apparently, I'm not. This fourth God, I believe, does hold more power over us that any of us know or expect or would even agree upon. The main power that it has is that it's natural for us to follow its voice, to follow its commands, the voice we naturally hear before the other God, the God of the Trinity. Before I get to share with you the power of this fourth person of the Trinity, let, let me first talk about how we recognize and how we interact with God, capital G or lower G. Worship is the main form of acknowledgement. The online collective put it this way. Worship is an act of religious devotion usually directed towards a deity. It may involve one or more of the activities such as veneration, adoration, praise, and praying. For many, worship is not about emotion. It's more about recognition of who God is. You know, in that definition, it was four words. I going to look at them a little bit closer, just so we're on the same page of what I'm saying. Why am I calling this fourth member of the Trinity a, a god a, of sorts? Veneration, great respect uh, or or reverence. You know, how to look and, uh, at and respect words from someone that you respect. I mean, if Roger or Jeremy stood up here and they said something, you... you I'm not saying we're supposed to be respectful as a person, but we, we know them, we know their lifestyle, we know what they live and what they believe, and we would put more weight on what they would have to say than, say, somebody that's struggling in sin, somebody who's inactively in the world. I mean, their words may be full of wisdom and counsel, but do we weigh their words the same as somebody that we, we know? We, we, have, we have a veneration, we have a respect, we kind of a lifting up, if you were, of that counsel because of, of that respect. Adoration, a deep love and respect. This God that we're going to be speaking about today, it calls upon a sacrificial love, sometimes something that's inconvenient, embarrassing, or something, but we'll still do it because because there's a love there that may be misplaced, but there is a love there, and we do do sacrificial love for it. A praise, a positive public affirmation. Affirming, saying yes to, building up, an expression of approval Or delight a spoken focus. I love these apples. You know, green apples. You put salt on them. Mm, I just love the tartness and the. You know, it's that I'm now showing to you something that makes these apples more important. Well, I, I would say that we do that naturally with this other this other God that I'm about to speak about. We we lift it up. We we put focus on it. Maybe negatively, maybe sometimes positively, but but we do. So there is there is a praise there, praying. And as I said before, the definition that we're looking at is worship. It's an act of religious devotion, usually directed towards a deity. It may involve one or more of these activities: veneration, adoration, praise, and praying. We all know what prayer is. It's a conversation. It's a it's a going to God. It's going to something something bigger than us. And we're saying, "This is my need. This is our concern." I had to step out earlier when uh, when there was asked for any prayer requests. Uh, I can say that this morning, my brother, who does not know, appreciate, or love God, he would follow this fourth God fully, but as far as the God that we would all worship here, um, he doesn't appreciate that. But I got a text last night, and I didn't get it last night, I got it this morning, said that my, my sister-in-law, who is blind in one eye, uh, fell out of bed and now she's blind in both eyes, and they don't know why. And I, I reached out and I said, "Was well, she in the hospital? Can we visit?" Her? I haven't gotten anything back, so I would have asked for prayer request. We can remember that later. But praying is like I, I, I don't know what to do with this. I'm going to give it over to a deity and I'm going to ask, or or it's all sorts of other forms of communication to this deity. Well, that leads us into a deeper conversation about our understanding about God. God is God for he is above all else. He is real and eternal. He created us, we did not create him. He exists outside of us and he can actually change things. He could actually heal. He can actually move. He can actually change things. So, he gives power for things to change in us and he speaks to us through his spirit, through his word and through all that is around us. For he is real. And yet, His voice is sometimes still, sometimes quiet, sometimes confusing. And if you can admit it with me this morning, and again, maybe this is just a sermon for me, but if you can admit it with me this morning, God's voice, the God of the Trinity, His voice is not always what I want to hear. This other God, though, He may not be all these things that I just described. But we give time to him because his voice is closer. His voice is louder. His voice is persistent. It's able to seemingly change things to our liking. It says the things we want. Time for some scripture. Now, this is the other thing I wanted to say in preparation for this. What I want to do is I want to throw out scripture references. If you're the type that wants to actually read along with me, I'm sorry. I'm going to be bouncing from a couple different translations, uh, maybe trying to say things from a different tact, so we can understand things. A word that's said a little bit different. I would suggest that you write down the references and go to them later, rather than waste the time to try to try to figure out where I'm at. James, chapter one, verses thirteen through fifteen. Let no one say when he is tempted, "I am tempted by God," for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He Himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it's full grown gives, uh, brings forth death. It's a familiar scripture to be sure, one often framed uh, in the conversations that we have uh, about how not to blame God for our temptations. Um, it also brings up the possibility of a conversation on the promise uh, that we will endure the test that he gives us the power to do that. He's not going to test us beyond what we can endure. There's all sorts of sermons that can be based on that sermon, or that verse. They're all good things to be talked about, but I don't want to miss the thought here of who owns the desire. Again, they're drawn away by their own desire. Who owns that desire? In Mark chapter 4, verse 18, it says, now, it, now these are the ones sown among thorns. This is in the middle of a parable. They are the ones that hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Let's go all the way back. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Isaiah 65, 2, I stretched out my hands all day long to rebellious people who walk in the way that is not good according to their own thoughts. Isaiah again, chapter 66 this time, verse 3, he who kills a bull as if he slays a man he who sacrifices a lamb as if he's breaking the neck of a dog he who offers a grain offering as he as if he is offering swine's blood he who burns incense as he is blessing an idol just as they have chosen their own way and their soul delights in their abominations so will I so will I choose their delusions and bring their fears on them because when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, they did not hear. But they did evil before my eyes. And they chose that which I do not delight. There's a lot to be said about what I'm preaching about there in that verse. Jeremiah 17.9 says "As The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 22.16. Josiah helped poor. And needy people, so everything went well for him. Jehoiakim, what does it mean to know God? It means living right and being fair. What does it mean to know me? This message is from the Lord. Jehoiakim, your eyes look only for what benefits yourself. You are always thinking about getting more for yourself. You're willing to kill innocent people. You're willing to steal things from other people. Ezekiel eleven twenty one, but as for those whose hearts go after their uh, detestable things and their abominations, I will bring their deeds upon their own heads, declares the Lord God. This is Zechariah seven three or it, correction seven eight, when the word of the Lord came to Zechariah saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, execute true justice, show mercy and compassion. Everyone to his own brother. Do not oppose the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. Let none of you plan evil in his heart against his brother. But they refused to hear. They shrugged their shoulders. They stopped their ears so they could not hear. Yes, they made their hearts like flint, uh, refusing to hear the law of the Lord and the words of the Lord of hosts that was sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Thus great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. You know, like so many things, I've been dancing around what I want to talk about today, about this fourth God. I've been kind of dancing around with some of these older verses. But like so many other things, Jesus gets right to the heart of the matter. So let's let's turn here now, or let's think or listen <laughs> to something in the New Testament. This is Mark chapter 7, verse 20. And he said, What comes out of a man... That defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of man, proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, law, uh, lewdness, an evil, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. And let me just go back a little bit. Sometimes when we read things, we forget that this was... First presented to a Jewish crowd, so when you hear a Jewish idiom, you gotta go back and just focus on a little bit. Out of that list, he says, uh, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceitful, lewdness, and evil eye. He's not talking about what's going on with my sister-in-law right now. An evil eye, uh, is the opposite of being generous. It means you're, you're withholding your funds. You're not paying for the poor. You're not taking, I'm not really sure why, but that is what I've been told. What I'm trying to say this morning, Paul said so much better than I could ever in Romans chapter eight, verse five, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You know, folks, one of the things I, I, I kind of I wrestled with this message because it's easy for me to come up here and say, following your own flesh, following your own pride, following your own desires will lead you to hell. It's easy for me to say that. But unless we get this idea that we are willing to follow our desires, our own flesh, in a godlike fashion, unless we come to that realization that there is a voice sometimes louder than the Holy Spirit within us, then we're just going to close our Bibles and say, oh, that's a good message. But what we need to know is this thing actually does have power. Our flesh actually does have power to be able to speak a command. I'll, I'll continue here. Much is said on and blamed on Satan. Much is blamed on this world. And, and it does have influences. And, it, and like a fisherman, the, it, they, the devil, the world... They can put all the good things on a platter and they can hide a surprise inside that that delicacy and we'll reach for it. That, and a lot is blamed on that. But really, they don't have power. That's the secret. They don't have power. Satan didn't make me do it. When I was caught in my sin, it wasn't Satan. It was this other God that I was following. I remember a conversation... That I had with a fellow who was witnessing to me years and years ago. He told me that Satan was not able to create. Thinking I was going to give him a counterpoint that would uh, put him in his place. I said, well, Satan, according to your teaching, Satan can create. He creates doubt and he creates temptation. That's bigger than creating a tree. Unthwarted, the fellow said, Satan plays on our doubts and our temptations. We are the one that create them. And I never thought about that very much until working on the sermon. Really, Satan and the world is God's problem. The real God of the Trinity. I found a writer that put it this way in an article. The article's title is, is this. And again, this is, this is old teaching. But it, it sometimes has to be thrown out there. Because the world uh, has confused the church greatly over this issue. The title of this article I'm going to read from now. says, Satan is not an evil God who rivals God's power. Some religious traditions around the world have held that the existence of two separate supreme being deities, a good God and an evil God. These two gods are set in opposition against each other and often break out in fights that impact the world. Unfortunately, this belief has often spilled over into Christianity, so Satan is given a godlike stature. People can, uh, people often believe that Satan could rival God in his power and is on equal match. The Bible clearly teaches that Satan is a creature and God is the creator. God created Satan originally as a good angel and then uh, who rebelled against his creator choosing hard uh, or choosing hate hatred and isolation rather than union with God. It's important to note that Satan is a created being receiving his existence from God. He is dependent upon God who allowed him the free will To reject God and his plans. This means that Satan has limited power given to him by God. They're not equal. It's not yin and yang. Amen. That's right. Satan doesn't have power over you until you give it to him, and that happens by way of this fourth God I want to talk about. This this flesh in us, this will. Satan can whisper, he can even speak out loud, as he did with Eve. But it was, it was the permissive will of Eve, her flesh that received the temptation and internalized it. God's gift of free will will always allow room for our flesh to reason and suggest and even command. You know, most in this room have never had to, had to deal with addiction. I, I would hope, I would, I would think that most of you have not had to put down the pipe or put down the bottle or put down whatever. But I can tell you, I have. I've wrestled with addiction. And I can tell you that there is a command in flesh. There's no reason, there's no trick or strategy that can stop the overwhelming command of the flesh to a fleshly person. It is this, as if it is as if a voice of God has spoken. Once that thought comes, I am, I am under its command. If I live in the flesh, some of you folks know what I'm talking about. Maybe you're not willing to share it publicly. Maybe maybe it's something you're struggling with. Maybe it's gambling or gossip or. Lust or some secret thing. But you hear the command from your flesh and it's just you just can't forget it. It just keeps coming back and keeps saying, why not? Well, let's do it now. Let's do whatever. It's a drive. Romans 7.15 says this, I don't understand why I act the way I do. I don't do the good I want to do. And I do the evil I hate. And if I don't want to do what I do... That means I agree with the, I agree that the law is good. But I am not really the one doing this evil. It is sin living in me that does it. Yes, I know that nothing good lives in me. I I mean, nothing good lives in the part of me that is not spiritual. I want to do what is good, but I don't do it. I don't do the good that I want to do. I do the evil that I don't want to do. So if I do what I don't want to do, then I'm not really the one doing it. It is the sin living in me that does it. So I have learned this rule. When I want to do good, evil is there with me. In my mind, I am happy with God's law, but I see another law working in my body. That law makes war against the law that my mind accepts. That other law working in my body is the law of sin, and that law makes uh, makes me its prisoner. What a miserable, and may I add, What a wretched, evil person I am. Who will save me from this body? Who will save me from my flesh? Who will save me from worshiping this other God in obedience? Who indeed? You see, I know you all know that next verse. Right? I know you all know the next verse after that. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. I know you know those verses. And I know you know that God, Christ, the Almighty, the Messiah, the Savior, he is able to save my flesh-covered soul. He's able to redeem. But the day-to-day, whose voice is louder? Whose voice have I been practiced to listen to? Who speaks of only the next thing before me, without showing or making me think about the consequences of my decisions. Paul is making a positive statement at the beginning of chapter eight, but listen to it from the other point of view. Yes, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus who walk not according, uh, not not according to the flesh, but walk after who move towards who go forth to, who go after pursue the Spirit. If you read it the other way, there is condemnation for those who walk, move, pursue, go after the flesh. and the way of the flesh, obey its commands. Condemnation. Oh, what a wretched man I am. We are talking about obedience level worship. I actually thought that might be a better uh, title to this message. Obedience-level worship. It's an acknowledgement of who we are really following. Who do you obey? That is the one you follow. Do you give in to anger? Do you give in to gossip? Do you give in to gambling? And let me just break away here a little bit and share something out of my own life. Gambling doesn't always mean money. It doesn't always mean horse, horse tracks and things like that. If you have a spirit in you if your flesh is telling you at the doctor's office you know, I wonder if there's something in that magazine I you know I'll just accidentally stumble upon something that's immodest or um, you know I I don't gossip but I have a friend that I can call and, and we can share stories back and forth and in confidence eh, it's not gossip but I might hear something juicy I might be able to share something juicy that's a gambling spirit that might stumble into sin i might find sin if i do this it's not really me i just stumbled into it but it's that secret hope that that, that desire that's the spirit of gambling and that that is the flesh that's the flesh saying follow this way go this way in it the thrill the possibility That inner man that seeks comfort and peace at at any long, long-term long cost for its short-term high, that is what closes us while we're in our mortal coil. Oh, to be free, The side of glory. In fact, beside the... the There is not even a slightest understanding in any of us to understand what it would be like to be in the presence of God. That greatness that we can look forward to after death, that, that being in the presence of God... I mean, it's amazing. But besides that, you want to hear something else amazing? We'll be free of that mortal coil. We'll be free of this fourth God, of the flesh. All of its doubts, all of its whispers, all of its commands. It'll be burnt away because that can't be in the presence of God. And that weight that we just had to deal with all our lives will be gone. Glory. Glory. <laughs> But if we do not learn to deal with this close confidence now, then as Paul says it, it will lead us to death. We won't have that glory. We won't be in the presence of God in that fashion. Zach Ponin shares a story about a man who lived during probation, or a prohibition. It seems that the, the state that he lived in outlawed alcohol, but the state on the other side of this small little river allowed alcohol. And so he got in his, uh. uh, well, he was very proud, by the way, that he lived in a state that took a stand against alcohol. But when it was really dark out, he got in his little rowboat, he went across to the other shore, he engaged in some alcohol to the point where he got drunk, and realizing it was starting to get light, you know, I I, I better get home, he stumbled down into his rowboat, and he started across the little creek there, and um, something stopped him and he rowed as hard as his drunk body could allow him to to row and he rowed and he rowed and he rowed and he tried super hard to get away from that other country that other state that place where he he indulged in his sin and when when twilight did come and he was able to see a little bit better in fear of what's happened to his life he he looks back and he sees that he didn't untie his boat there are consequences to our sin, but it's our choice to sin. Our willingness to follow the commands of our flesh. Did you hear what I just say? There is a sin nature. There is a carnal man in all of us. And that's not the issue. It's our willingness to follow the commands of the flesh. That's, that's the issue. That's obedience level worship. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me Deuteronomy 30:15 Today I have given you a choice between life and death success and disaster I command you today to love the Lord your God I command you to follow him and to obey His commands, laws, and rules. Then you will live, and your nation will grow larger. And the Lord your God will bless you in that land that you've entered in to take for your own. But if you turn away from your God and refuse to listen, if you are led away to worship and serve other gods, you will be destroyed. The matter of living in the flesh is a matter of who is in charge. We have to live in the flesh. We're here. We're, we're in existence. We have a body. But who are we going to follow? Which God are we going to follow? The real God or the God that speaks sometimes even louder? What's the first command? Can anybody tell me the first command of the Ten Commandments? No, I, have no other God I have no other God before me. When we worship and obey anything other than God, it is no little thing. This is a verse out of Jeremiah, chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Hear, and just get a glimpse of God's heart here. Like like I've often said, I I feel like the Old Testament is a way for us to see his personality. What he likes, what he doesn't like. Well, this is what he clearly says he doesn't like, right? Hear, O Israel, all you families of the house of Jacob. Listen to this. Thus says the Lord. (laughs) This is... This is God's personality. Don't, don't listen to this as, uh, it's, you know, it's from the Old Testament. This is God's personality, right? Hear this, families of Israel. He says this, thus says the Lord, what injustice has your fathers found in me that they have gone far from me, have followed idols, and have become idolaters? You know, God takes it personally. It's not that he, he takes it religiously. He takes it personally. When we follow a different God other than the real God that we have said we're going to follow. He takes it personally. When we give obedience level worship to something else other than Him. You know, wait a minute, Bob. You, You keep referring to this fourth God. No one here believes that our flesh is God. There is but one God. And if I haven't been clear for forgive me, I only refer to the little G God we have all followed because we all follow it. Our flesh calls the shots. Way too often. Our actions demonstrate our belief. I once heard Paul Washer say that the New Testament says that we, that we are, we're not going to be judged on the law because Christ took it upon his shoulders. That's the teachings of the, of the New Testament. There's, there's these commands that we found, we are found guilty, but Christ took the blame. And so we're not going to be judged. But what Paul Washer says is this. He says, We would all fail (laughs) if it was a big scale and we were sitting on one side and the the Ten Commandments or God's laws were on the other side. We we would all fail. But it would be an easier thing to fail that test than if we were on one side of the scale and Jesus was on the other. Jesus said in in John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus said this, My food is to do the will of him who sent me. And his work to finish his work, as if he's saying, "My, my substance, my substance—the the thing I live for and gives me energy to do—is the Father's will. That's what I live to do. That's why I exist. What tastes good? What 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 gives him uh, a, a desire to go to the next step? Is is doing the Father's will? You know, for me, all too often." I follow after what's convenient, what tastes good, uh, what will keep me in favor from those around me, what will keep my reputation. It's all about me, my, and mine. Right? It's not about fulfilling the Father's will. I'm going to be embarrassed if I go talk to that man and give him a track. That's not the Father's will. That's, That's my God that I'm following, the wrong God. Our actions demonstrate what we really believe. Do we really believe what the Bible has to say? Paul Washer's illustration there, he's saying, I would rather be compared to the Ten Commandments and fail than to be compared to, to Jesus. And yet the New Testament says that we are every day to be more like Jesus. Really? Where does it say that? Well, 1 John 2, I'm just going right through these. 1 John 6 Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. 1 Peter two twenty one. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you as an example, so that you might follow his steps. 1 Corinthians chapter eleven verse one. Be imitators of me, as I am of Christ. Ephesians two one through two. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Ephesians 4, verses 22 through, 20, uh, 22 through 24, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through, uh, through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of Of your mind and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Our old self will not die, but constantly calls, constantly whispers. How do we deal with that? Do we obey it in obedience level worship or do we say, what is the real God, have to say about that desire? Is this line up with God's language? Is this line up with God's heart? What am I actually following? No condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Oh, but the judgment that falls on those who are in another God, who follow the old man, the flesh. It is not a matter of going back to the shore and untying the rope for that poor fellow. He needs to go back daily and cut down the tree. There can't be a place that he can moor his boat to. It's not a salvation by works, but we are to be working every day harder and harder. And it's a joy. It's a a different type of work. It's not not like pulling the green chain on a a mill. It's a different type of work, but it says here in Romans 8.12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. We're debtors. Debtors work to pay off their debt. I'm not saying that we work for our salvation, but there is a debt there to live for the spirit and not to live for the flesh. If one was to pursue our sermon index, our recorded messages, go online there and look at what we preached in the past. In fact, one theme would be clear. We believe that obedience is expected from a true believer. Who are you obeying right now? I ask because often the loudest voice is not God, the Holy Spirit. Depending on where your attention has been set, the loudest voice will be the one that's even closer than the one who's closer than a brother. I don't know if you folks have ever heard of this organization. Probably Darren has. Um, there's, there's a group of uh, people that have these gigantic radio telescopes. And they have some smaller ones. they got some gigan- They got one that's bigger than Halsey. Um, and, and, and they're pointed out to space for one purpose, to listen for proof of extraterrestrial intelligence. The organization is called SETI, Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. They have dishes, small and huge, pointed at the skies, just waiting and listening for a pattern, a sound that would be the first contact. Can you imagine sitting in the control room day after day for years listening, the popping, the clicking, the static from outer space, just waiting, just waiting for a sound to make sense. For something to come across, go, how do you do? You know, something (laughs) waiting there. That money that's involved in those telescopes, that money that's involved in all the equipment, the money, the time, the volunteers, the... Everything that's involved in that organization proves one thing. They have a belief that it's going to happen. If they didn't believe it, they wouldn't be sitting there day after day enduring. But they believe they're going to hear something. Do we? Do we listen to God as if we really do believe He's going to speak to us? He's really going to say, I don't want you fishing anymore. Taking up way much too time or i want you to go fishing take a lot of tracks with you, you got a lot of people on the shoreline that need to know christ are we willing to listen to god speak to us in ways that are unexpected now let's go back to that little control room okay so you got this little tiny control room some down somewhere some southern south american country and, and there's this big gigantic dish out there listening and and he's just like you know, all day listening right And then pretty soon somebody as a joke flies over in some sort of glider so there's no noise. And he drops off a radio right down to the center of the the bowl, the big antenna. And playing on that thing is a bunch of uh, CCM. Won't go any further. But that man's in that room and all of a sudden he hears something. (gasps) He hears something. That's what it should be like for us. We're listening, we're listening. But... That portable radio needs batteries. For that hoax to continue, it needs to be fed. Our flesh will often say, this is from God, or this is better, this is, this is, this is an easier way to do what God just said, told you to do. Our flesh will sometimes drop that radio in our receiver and, and whisper something or even shout something. But I encourage you this, I tell you this, that radio would stop working if it wasn't, wasn't replaced with batteries. Our flesh if we practice fasting, if we practice laying down our rights, our insistence to be right, the batteries of our flesh will die. So, one way to thinking about it: just the reason we fast, the reason we uh, memorize scripture, the reason we spend time in our quiet times when we could be doing so many other things, uh, is because we want that flesh to die. We want to. We want. We want the batteries to that loud voice to be. Lower. If our hearts are in line with Jesus, our very real desire is to be more like Jesus, then our ears will be more in line with what his calling is. Our obedience in line with his orders. Listen, the point of this sermon is, you can't, I can't claim the very real promise of God that I stand not condemned, if I'm walking after the flesh. Our obedience shows where we are on, on that verse. Where do is that verse? Are we saying that we're not condemned because we're walking after the spirit, or we are condemned because we're walking after our flesh? What do we do? What what do we obey? you remember what I said earlier that we show devotion? In our respect, Uh, in Proverbs 8.13, it says this, to respect or to fear the Lord means to hate evil, hate pride and boasting, evil lives and hurtful words. Are we there? Who are we respecting, God or or flesh, when somebody cuts us off in traffic and we're alone in the car? Someone does a a brake check to those uh, commercial drivers in here. I just had a driver come in the office the other day, and he was fit to be tied. And I looked up the camera, and sure enough, some van got in front of him and deliberately tried to cause an accident three times, slamming on his brakes just just a few feet. He was so angry. I should have asked him, did you pray for the guy? I, I didn't. Who are we following? Idolatry occurs when we try to fashion God into our image. We are being like God Adam and Eve ate the fruit believing in action that they knew better than what God did. They followed their own commands. And that's where we are today. Zach Poonin also shared this thought. People used to think that the earth was the center of the universe. And that threw off all sorts of mathematical calculations. It threw off what they they knew. It's like, well, I can observe this being spun this direction. I can observe that being spun that direction. And that doesn't make sense if we're the center. But somehow it just has to... And then... And then you have Galileo stepping forward and going, here's the evidence that we're not the center. And oh, okay, that all makes sense now. Now I get it. There's so many things in our own lives that don't make sense. They don't work out right because we do believe we're the center. We, Our flesh is the God that's calling the commands. But when it's pointed out, when we realize, when we go to the Lord and go, I've been living for myself, in this area of my life, or in this area... Let's just face it, folks. All my life, I've been living as the center of my life. All the things that don't make sense, while they're not working out for you, will all of a sudden start making sense. Oh, that's why that happened. That's why I got into that addiction, because I was saying yes to my flesh way back then, over this. And I slowly got to this. Now that makes sense. If you... Uh, one other way to, to listen to God and to know God's voice is, I, I, the first house that my wife and I worked on as a rental, uh, the first clip that we did on a house, uh, I can remember vividly she uh, put on a cassette tape of listening to uh, Michael Pearl. We listened to a couple of the sermons, but mostly the letter bag thing where he's answering people's letters, and I got his voice in my head. It's Michael Pearl. You know him. If you ever listen to Michael Pearl, you know it's Michael Pearl. But now I read his uh, uh, No Greater Joy magazine, I can hear his voice. I can't get his voice out of my head. I read his words. That's his voice. It used to be a radio pastor, used to listen, J. Vernon McGee, and, and he has a very southern drawl. He has a very gravelly voice, or did, he's long since dead. But if I read, he has a commentary out, and every now and then I'll go to it. I don't recommend it. He's a strong dispensationalist. But if I read any of his words, I hear his voice. I can't, I mean, I haven't listened to this guy in years. I can hear his voice because the way he wrote is the way he talked. Same thing with Danny Kennison. The same thing with uh, uh, Dr. James Dobson. If you ever read his stuff, it's like he's speaking in my head. These words are are, are resounding. The opposite is true. If you get into the habit of reading God's word and and digesting it, then you can hear the clear difference between your flesh and God's voice. Because this is his voice, even if it's Leviticus, <laughs> even if it's I, some some book you just don't get, there is there is a voice of God in those words. They don't return void. Thank God for the uh, George's message this morning or, or his uh, work with the children. That's exactly as sitting there going, yes, God's voice will not return void. There's this thing. Um, with every obedient step we take to follow our flesh, we have set up places of worship in our heart. Like the wayward people of ancient Israel, we have polluted the land of our heart and the evidence uh, of recognizing this fourth, this fourth God. This is, we have all these places that we've given over. Well Jesus says this, or, or God says this in Ezekiel. He says this, When my people come back, they'll destroy all the terrible, filthy idols that are here now. I will bring them together and make them like one person. I will put a new spirit in them and I will take away that heart of stone and I will put a real heart in its place. Then they will obey my laws and my commands. They will do the things I tell them. They will be my people and I will be their God. I really hope that you listen to that. If you didn't, okay, tell you what. I'm not going to read it again. Ezekiel 11:18. If there are places in your heart that's been given over to this fourth God, Think about that. He says he's willing to come into the land and he wants to see you take down those idols. And when you do, he'll replace that heart that so easily goes after the flesh with his spirit. That's a great promise. Timing could not be better. I'm not concluding with my words. I want to tell you folks right now, there is something powerful about the word of God. I'm going to read a chapter. An entire chapter. Just listen to these words. Even if you're not familiar with it, it's not from your own Bible. Just listen to these words. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us that were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead, from the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that he shall also live with him, that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives... He lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, that you should obey its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, as your members are as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves who you obey? Whether it is sin leading to death, or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves to sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of righteousness. And of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things that which are now, that you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, You have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. One more thing from Paul, just one little tiny verse, one little tiny verse. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse four. God wants each one of you. To learn to control your own body, your own body in a way that is holy, and that gives honor to God, Father God. Again, I, I know, Lord, you you said this is for me, really. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord, if maybe I shouldn't have presented it to an audience. Maybe just meditated more for myself. Lord, I repent of those decisions that I have made, those little places of worship that I put in my life to obey my flesh. Lord, I ask that you continue to reveal those areas. You you help me, Lord, with those things that I have the right to do, to eat, as an example. Things that I may have a right to do, but am I following my flesh or am I following my Lord, my real God, the God that really can change things? Lord, I repent of making my flesh God. I repent of following the flesh when I should be following you. I ask, Father, that you would just reveal to all of us more and more what your voice sounds like so we could put our flesh to shame and not listen to it any longer. Lord, I also know in this congregation there are those who have made the decision to you to make you their God. I know that. I know this whole sermon was to to those who believe, who are like-minded. But there are others here, Lord, who haven't made that decision. And Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit shout as loud as you can into their heart about the reality of who Christ is and how you will bring them to a good ending if they follow you and you alone. May your word not return void. May it change hearts today, Lord. In Jesus' holy name, amen.